Hello, and thank you for joining another episode of Design Under Influence provided to you by ArcIT. Today, Boris and I are battling PCs versus Macs on LinkedIn Live event. And all it is, is we're not saying one is better than the other. What we're saying is there's, you know, you got to choose your battles and you got to understand the shortcomings and the and advantages of each platform. And we go through those on our LinkedIn Live event. People are asking questions as we go. So this show format is a little bit different. Hopefully you'll find it enjoyable. Would love to hear your feedback. Without further ado, enjoy the show. Hello, thank you all for joining us. Absolutely a privilege to be here, especially with the sun shining behind me and our little um, vacation spot. Um, but hey, this is um, this is where best thinking happens. So let's think. Um, let's think through this topic. So today, um, Boris, you ready? Yeah, I mean, we got to kick it off. Let's go. Right. Let's run this thing. So today we're touching on touchy subject. Um, and as an IT uh, practice uh, focused on architecture, engineering and design companies, we see a lot of PCs, PC offices, we see a lot of Mac offices, and we see a lot of and we see and support a lot of mixed Mac and PC offices. Um, the challenge mostly arises when those are mixed, right? So Mac offices run Vectorworks, you know, maybe versus Revit, or, you know, you have applications that are Mac specific and everyone is typically insane. No. PC offices is kind of similar. This, we're running situations where there are multiple uh, platforms uh, kind of colliding a little bit in the workspace. So we're going to cover best practices. We're going to talk you through um, how to uh, provide our recommendations on how to bring on potentially new Mac users or um, provide an alternative uh, uh, solution depending on what you're running in your architecture practice. So let's just get right into it. We have a list of things we want to cover that we found are the most sort of hot hotly debated <laughs> subjects and things that we end up um, supporting. And so those are the, the kind of three key areas we're going to cover. But dear audience, we are looking for your um, questions. We are looking for your individual issues and helping you solve those right here on this live uh, broadcast. And if not, we can always follow up and, and get, provide you guys a, a good uh, idea resolution, no cost, nothing like that. Um, all right. So just to give you a quick overview, first, we're going to talk about professional versus personal data and how it um, flows in your organization if you're using a Mac. Uh, PC, not so much of an issue. Uh, Mac it is. Now, second thing we're going to cover is security. Uh, that's a big topic. We're not, um, we're not going to go deeply into the technical uh, aspects of it, but we'll talk about Mac security versus PC security where uh, potential... Um, you know, uh, uh, potential holes are in each of the uh, uh, operating system and how to, you know, how to think about those, closing those out and keeping your business safe. And number three, finally, we're going to come into probably something that's going to be um, hotly debated is Mac versus PC for Revit or Bluebeam, right? Using Mac on Revit and Bluebeam specifically. Boris, anything I'm missing out here? Um, no, I think you got it all covered, but I do want to reiterate, like, we're here to answer your questions. So uh, we're talking about these subjects, but I want you, you know, the audience to participate and make sure that they bring their issues to our attention so we can answer them. Um, I guess that's where we can 
kind of kick stuff off. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, Elizabeth says that I froze. Uh, hopefully that would not repeat. Um, but we're dealing with a little bit of a, a vacation home internet. So please forgive me. And if it gets bad, I'll just dial in from a phone or, or, or temporarily shut off the video, something like that. Um, anyway, let's jump, jump right, right into this. Uh, first topic. Um, Personal versus professional data on Macs. Uh, Boris, where are we seeing problem? And you and I talked a lot about this, and I'm a Mac, you know, fully Mac guy. You're a fully PC guy, and that's great. We support, support both. But we talked about one bigger issue, uh, biggest issue, uh, but we discovered it is, is it's actually pictures, taking pictures and images or videos related to your work, syncing them with your iCloud, and then trying to get those into the projects. Uh, that seems to be where uh, things get a little hairy. Talk to, talk us through the issue and then your recommendations. Well, so again, I think we need to kind of take a step back and look at, you know, an overall experience of, you know, uh, why, so the reason why people choose to use Mac in a lot of cases, right, is the simplicity um, that is derived from being on an Apple ecosystem. Um, we've talked a lot about that. Like you love that simplicity that all your stuff syncs, right? You're in that one iCloud account. Everything is synchronizing. You can add a device to your iCloud account. You have access to all your files, which is awesome. But at the same time, I think the challenge arises um, where you're starting to use your Mac for your business and you're expecting kind of similar workflows. Um, and the challenge arises is now all your pictures, both business and personal, are synchronizing to your iCloud account. And if you need to share those out um, or you need to invite people to look at those things, um, whether it's pictures or files or anything like that, um, you need, now need to start being more careful about who has access to what and separating uh, between allowing access for business stuff to your business partners or uh, employees and non-business stuff. And I think, um, you know, that's where we come up with, well, hey, we're just, you know, for business, we're going to use Microsoft products or Google products um, and kind of separate that way. I think, you know, that's what you're doing, uh, right? When you're working with us um, at Dark IT, so you have your separate stuff in Microsoft. Um, and so that's one of the solutions that we can use is basically use a separate service uh, to store your data. But what happens with that is your workflow, kind of the workflow that you used to and the simplicity that you have with the Mac kind of takes, becomes less uh, efficient, right? So now you have to, okay, if I take a picture, I need to save it to the Microsoft Drive. If I, you know, I can't just keep it in my iCloud. So things like that become a challenge. Okay. What about using another iCloud login? Um, essentially having one for you know your business related stuff pictures blah 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 and and one for personal stuff yeah i mean that's that's another option although i think it kind of is mirroring what we're talking about adding another service uh to the mix uh, the problem is if you're still utilizing the same device right and it's in business and personal, and it's one device, um, you have to constantly log in and log out of your iCloud account, which becomes even, I think, even more, even harder to, uh, even harder to accomplish and creates, I guess, creates more issues for you 
where you can mix things up and put a personal account and forget that you need to log out and things like that. Okay, well, I'll weigh in on some of the advantages of using Mac, um, specifically like one that I found, I've invested in this super powerful machine, right? And I wanna be able to use it across platforms because it's just everything so seamless. However, the challenge is um, with personal mix with professional, it's, it's not always easy to untangle and it ends up, at least in my case, sometimes costing more time for me to untangle, um, uh, you know, personal work stream from a, well, personal stream from a work stream. So that, that's a bit of a challenge. But any, if you guys have any questions on mixing personal and professional, please let us know. We'll tackle that uh, for you um, as well. But any other uh, parting words of wisdom on that piece, that topic? Well, I, I think uh, in the end, and the, be the best practice recommendation would be is to have two separate devices, right? Um, you know, it's fine. It's awesome using a Mac uh, for your business, for your architecture practice. Um, keep the device separate, right? Have a device that you're only using for your personal stuff and have another device that you're using for your business. Just like I think, you know, we would do normally, right? You'd have a separate business checking account for your business and a separate account for your personal budget um you know same thing with other things um tax taxes and things like that so um you want to make sure that that separation of business and personal kind of goes all the way through um because mm -hmm. a lot of what we see is people using trying to use the same devices across the board i got you and i could see where the problem might come out you know you're working from home you're on vacation whatever you need to check into the project to do something you know that's that's when you use your personal computer but in general i think it's it's a, it's a solid advice uh having a work computer and personal computer you know smaller companies run into this problem where you know they don't realize they've grown to 10 people or seven people or 15 people and <laughs> and and don't have the policies in place to make sure that the work computers uh, are issued and you know recommendations are issued that not you know personal stuff not be included in those computers and I think that's a, that's a great practice. And it's also, look, for your mental health, it's an important piece, um, separation of business and, and personal, right? So you don't have your business computer, yeah, you can answer a couple emails, but you're not working on the project um, on your vacation, on your personal time. I think that's a good practice overall. Um, you, know, you need to take breaks. Now, for you to be more efficient, better uh, operator, um, you need to take breaks and and let your mind rest and focus on where you are versus trying to be at two places at once. Anyway, let's talk about security. Let's shift gears. Do we have any questions? Let me pop into here in the chat. Not that far. Really, guys? I think there's a couple. Have no questions? Really? I, I think don't think there's. A... Hit me. Uh, try to... You may need to refresh. I think I found oh, that uh, the chat doesn't update real time. I'm very sorry, guys. Let me refresh and see what happens. Oh, yes, we do. Hey, Henry, how's it going? Okay, Henry's question. He's a director of IT systems. So probably gonna be a technical question for us. We get ready for it. Um, file naming via Mac is painful for PC systems. Ending files with non-breaking space, emoji style naming, etc. Your recommendation here, boys? Uh, well, yeah, I'm not sure what the actual question is, but yes, I agree. Um, Maybe it's a comment. People, people that, yeah, it's more of a comment. People that are used to uh, Mac file naming 
and when working in PC offices, especially, yeah, we see that to be a problem. I mean, training has to be, um, there has to be training that needs to happen to make sure that um, file naming conventions um, that are, that can be adopted across the board, across the platforms, both Mac and PC are used. Mm -hmm. Okay, Henry, if you have a follow-up on this one, please hit us, um, Boris is ready for a challenge. Um, now next, Peter's question, Peter, hey, um, on Max, does it make sense to have separate users to divide personal slash work? We sort of kind of covered that on to, uh, different iCloud accounts, but let me just finish the question. It seems a bit much to have two different machines. So I think Peter's point is very, very good is like, hey, as I mentioned, like it's kind of a little bit of a pain. It's nice to have one powerful machine that does it all. I think we kind of addressed it, but Boris, do you have any more color on this? users well, i think we personal. talked about didn't we talk about creating uh separate user logins on a machine um that is actually a very good way of handling that separation um as long as again you kind of remember to log off and log back in um with the proper username for business or for personal um i think once you have that process down, then yeah, having two separate users, two separate iCloud accounts uh, will get you there in terms of the machine. I think the bigger problem happens on your phone because on your phone, um, you know, you still need to remember to switch I iCloud accounts. You can have different usernames um, or different profiles on your phone. So that's where you may run into a challenge um, is all of a sudden you're logging into your business account on your Mac, but you don't see any like pictures or any documents that you might have um, uploaded from your phone. Uh, and it's because your phone is connected to a different iCloud account. So that's uh, something to so, always pay attention to. Yeah, so being mentally present when you do this is gonna be, it's almost like using two separate machines, right? So so you pull out one out of your back, back and you work, you pull out another one and you do personal stuff. Um, same thing here, you gotta log in to, one login to that. So Boris, you, you think it's a feasible solution as long as it's practiced? Yeah, as long as it's practiced and as long as it's done properly with mindfulness, as you said, um, that should, that will definitely work. Um, I mean, it does detract from some of, the, some of the benefit, right, that you get with the ease of usability on a Mac. Um, but, you know, you have to make compromises. Hmm. Gotcha. We have one more question from Peter. I'm really happy with the Mac hardware and platform, but a recent hitch uh, was trying to use Bluebeam, <laughs> which is no longer supported. Any recommendations? Yeah, we're going to get there towards the end. Well, as a topic. Well, it's three, fine. No, uh, we, can, we should probably. But no, no. Uh, well, 100%. I, I'm just going to say that you said that it'll come up right away. And I. Yeah, and that's, I, that's exactly what I said. Let's, let's um, parch this. So, um, Peter, and for anybody else who has a similar question, um, well, there's really there's really a couple of ways to work around it, right? One, if you're happy with Mac hardware, but you don't mind using a Windows platform, um, you can do a virtual machine on your Mac, um, or you can do, you know, a dual boot scenario um, to where you also install PC. Um, you also install a Windows partition so you can use the PC side of things on your Mac, right? So that will allow you to run the Bluebeam application in a Windows environment on your Mac. Um, 
obviously again creates a little more hustle um, as a workaround, but it's doable. Another thing, so um, a few of our clients, what they're doing right now, if it's a fully Mac shop and you know it's like six or seven people, have a dedicated PC um, that just sits there and basically is used for Bluebeam or any other tools that you know you may need to run um, in a PC environment. For example, um, one of our clients has two um, dedicated Lumion PCs uh, because they basically run Lumion, which is a real-time rendering software on those PCs. Outside of that, they're fully mapped. Um, so that could be a solution, right? Just invest into a machine um, and use it as you need it. Because depending on how big your, your firm is and what exactly you're doing with Bluebeam, um, a lot of times it's a lot of times it's just kind of trying to get permits uh, through the city of San Francisco or through another municipality um, because they do require use a blue beam for electronic permitting. Um, so you can have a dedicated PC for that process and do it there. Now, if you want to do some uh, real time, um, you know, if, if all the people need to use blue beam, um, kind of at the same time, then you most likely have to do the map workarounds um, or you'd have to look at other tools outside of Bluebeam like um, you know, Adobe Acrobat Pro, which kind of does the same thing, not as great as Bluebeam obviously, but I mean, they do have, right? It's a PDF editor. So they do have very similar uh, capabilities to Bluebeam. Gotcha, very cool. Another question from Michael. <clears throat> Michael, thank you. Uh, question is, can you do virtual Windows machine with an M1 Mac? Uh, very good question. Uh, so Parallels now support M1. Um, however, you still need right a Windows operating system that supports M1. And I believe the, um, I mean, there is a beta for the ARM uh, version of Windows. I don't think it's full production yet, but you're, you know, you'll basically be able to install that beta um, inside Parallels and run Windows on our M1. I don't know, um, we haven't really done testing in terms of how the performance looks like, but all the feedback that I've heard, the performance is pretty decent, um, you know, and better than the Intel uh, machines from the past. So hopefully that answers it. Ah, good question. Yeah, so Michael, if you have a follow-up sub uh, question to this, let us know. We're gonna um, think we're gonna slowly coast into the security side of things. And by the way, guys, feel free to jump around, ask any questions you want. This is your time. We want to spend um, spend it wisely and help you out. Um, it's kind of the plan here. So um, security. Um, what's the latest? I mean, you know, perception, reality. We we've addressed this topic multiple times in our podcast. Perception is reality. Uh, perception is Mac is more secure. It's less numerous, therefore less, you know, less ransomware hackers out there. I don't know if it's true anymore or as true as it used to be. You know, it used to be like this this number two, um, you know, you know number two uh, uh, provider uh, way behind PC, and then it's like start catching up and catching up, and now it's it's really prominent. So where are we at on security, boys? PC Mac. Um, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm still 
a big believer in comprehensive security, no matter which operating system or which platform um, is being used, right? We still need to have our best practices in place. We still need to have our basic security measures in place. Just because um, a manufacturer says that something is more secure doesn't detract from you know, uh, following the best practices and making sure that, you know, it's not just, um, you're not just relying on Apple to tell you we're more secure, right? You're still having additional tools in place to make sure that you're, if there's any attacks that you have visibility into that, if there's any other kind of security events that you're protected, right? So we're still recommending and for all our firms that are on Mac, uh, we're still installing um, you know, an antivirus software on it. We're still installing URL filtering uh, to make sure that people don't click on any links and jump to bad websites. Um, we're still kind of monitoring, you know, and monitoring activity uh, on the devices to make sure there's nothing kind of fishy going on. So, um, and obviously, like encouraging everybody to use electronic password managers, encouraging everybody to use complex passwords. Um, so all those best practices still need to be followed, whether you're using Mac or PC in your office or both. Um, so uh, from our standpoint, from a standpoint of IT and from mitigating risk for your business, it's better to um, kind of be overprotected than underprotected and rely on just, hey, um, you know, this platform more secure than the other. The truth is cybersecurity is a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. And um, I, when I say cybersecurity, I also mean cybercrime. Um, so cybercrime is basically an industry that is constantly evolving and it's always, you know, there, there's always new threats that are coming out and it doesn't matter which platform you're running. Uh, if you're not following best practices, at least the minimal best practices, you will end up getting hit, no matter the size of your business, no matter the platform. Gotcha. Are there any differences between protecting PCs or protecting Macs? Anything different? You mentioned you mentioned a number of things like URL filtering and, 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 and antivirus software and password managers. Those are like your best practices uh, across the, the board. Anything jumps out to you that you have to do that we have to do extra on on Max versus PCs versus PCs versus Max either way. No, I think um, I think what the good thing about the Mac platform is a lot of those things you're being forced to do um, regardless, right? Um, like by default, when you sign up for an iCloud account, for example, it requires you to have a two-factor authentication, which most services do now anyway. But it wasn't the case two years ago, and Know, Mac have been doing for a long time. So I think the Mac platform does a better job of enforcing um, those security best practices. They also do a better job of maintaining privacy for your data and your information, your personal information and things like that, um, which shouldn't be confused with security, right? Privacy and security are kind of two different things. One has hmm. to do with protecting um, kind of mitigating the risk and protecting yourself from uh, bad actors. Um, and the other one has to do with how your information um, is being used and how your information is leaving your devices, right? So that's privacy. Um, so Mac does a good job now of kind of popping up and saying, hey, do you want to share this information? Do you want to share your location data? Do you want to share all of that? Um, so that enhances privacy of your data, doesn't necessarily enhance security. 
Gotcha. Um, very, uh, thanks for that. Thanks for that little uh, tidbit. Um, now, privacy versus security. Interesting. We should, we should, uh, we should do a, a whole episode on that. I think that's, I'm, I'm very interested to, to dig deeper into this, um, as prominent as ever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, privacy invasion can end up being, right? Can end yeah. up being security breach. So, um, all right. So we got another question. Um, yeah. Let's take a Nancy. By the way, I want to recognize Nancy. Um, she's with ArcIT and she's there put, putting questions into our teams so we can answer them. Nancy, thank you so much. And Nancy, please write down privacy versus security as a next or one of the future podcast topics. I really like that idea because I'll forget it if you don't write it down. Okay. Question from Jacqueline. Um, we currently are not a BIM office, but are looking ahead at this uh, need down the line as we are start hiring and expanding. As the firm owner, uh, but not being a BIM user myself, never had to learn it. I've heard the biggest hurdle is having a full-time BIM manager on call for troubleshooting in models to uh, quote clean up models, etc. How would you recommend someone in my position go about integrating BIM into a practice? The first baby steps, of course, um, in terms of infrastructure and pro tips uh, before testing this on our first project. Uh, parenthesis: We're thinking of going with Archicad since we are a Mac office. Appreciate your thoughts. Okay, Boris, there's a lot there. Um, do you understand a the lot question? there. <laughs> I do. No, I do understand the question. Thanks, Jacqueline. Appreciate it, by the way. I, I think we'll, we'll give some kind of high-level guidance. And then, Jackie, you and I can talk more in person um, to kind of to uh, follow up on some of these things. But um, I guess to me, anytime that you're trying to implement something newer um, in your business, and Alex, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you know, you always want to kind of start with the end in, in mind, right? Like you want to see, like, what is it, what does done look like? Like, what does the end look like? What are we trying to accomplish? And then kind of work your way backwards. Wouldn't you agree? Uh, wholeheartedly, completely, yeah. Because right. if you don't see, yeah, it's if you, if you don't have the outcome in mind first, it's very difficult road because <laughs> you're, you're not going anywhere fast. Right, so I guess the first thing, Jack, is you kind of need to identify uh, what it is because everybody... BIM is such a catchy, I guess, trendy word nowadays, but it means so many different things. Um, but if you're trying to, right, if you're trying to make your work and your models more efficient, uh, be, be able to run a lot, you know, better analysis on them, make your work easier, right, create families or templates or, you know, uh, I don't remember what they call in ArchiCAD. I think they're also called families, but maybe not. In Revit, they're called families, right? Create objects that you can easily uh, put into your models. So those are all um, those are all benefits of going with BIM. I think initially, if you kind of focus on uh, making sure that when you are, um, I guess, making sure when you're setting up your models, all of those elements gets, get created properly, so that you don't have to redo them down the line. I think that would be um, a very good start, right? Making sure that, and I think Archicad has a good library um, of elements, but as you know, we find out with both Archicad um, and Revit, uh, you have to modify those to fit your practice and make sure that you're getting the right, um, 
you know, schedules and things like that in those uh, things that you can actually use in your models um, in those uh, in those objects. Um, so I don't think you and some BIM managers on this call, um, if there's any, uh, can kind of jump in and comment as well. Um, I don't think you need a BIM manager until you get bigger. But I think initially, if you're, you know, you need to start, I guess, start start implementing um, the BIM solution as you as if you already kind of were already bigger. Um, and try to start with not just creating models, but actually creating those objects, creating those families so that they can be reused down the line in your other projects. Um, I guess that would be my advice. And I think Jackie, you and I should probably talk in more details of what you're actually thinking and um, if we can help guide you in a better way. I yeah, don't know. That was a long-winded answer, but I'm hoping that <laughs> it made sense. Well, it was a fairly broad and deep question at the same time. So, so yeah, we could, again, that could be its own podcast. In fact, we've done multiple episodes on BIM, Jackie. You might be interested to uh, go back and see. We have, uh, uh, we had a BIM manager on the show uh, for three, four episodes. Um, he, he did a good job really scoping out what it, what it takes to implement BIM. Um, I think that might be a little bit of content that, that would actually just pinpoint um few few ideas for you uh for this i think it's just pretty much those episodes are for, for you for people thinking about implementing and how to yeah and we can we can send that out um directly to jackie later yeah but it's uh yeah design under influence podcast um those of you guys who are uh, on the show or listening recording you can hit design under influence podcast boris and i go deeply into bim um on three or four episodes we might do more uh, in the future. All right. So I think Jackie took us right, you know, kind of just segued us right into this last piece, which is uh, combative as always. Um, Revit and Bluebeam and trying to use Mac to wrestle those down. <laughs> I think we covered, right, we covered the Bluebeam piece before. Um, what we may, you know, add in Revit, I guess if we're talking about Revit, um, the steps would be kind of similar uh, from a standpoint of, I mean, if if you're really intending on using Revit and, but you also want to keep your office a Mac office, um, you're gonna have to run into some difficulties. And to be honest, like from, from my standpoint, and as I said, like we support um, Mac users, we support PC users, we support, people that are trying to do this, like a Mac office running Revit. But from my standpoint as a business owner, um, honestly, it, it creates so much extra work for you as a business owner and for your team um, that really, like you, you have to stop and kind of think if it's really worth it. Um, I think when we say, you know, we want to use Mac because it's more efficient and the workflows are more efficient, if we introduce Revit, or Bluebin into that mix, it automatically becomes less efficient. And I think your business may actually be suffering from that. So um, if, you know, putting kind of my hand on my heart with all the honesty, I would say, if, you know, don't try to do both, right? Don't try to run Revit on a map, you know, if, if you're looking to grow your company because the inefficiencies will keep growing and growing with that. If you're a small office and you're okay with kind of making those compromises and, making the workarounds, then, 
yeah, we can go back to uh, some of the things I've already mentioned, right? You can run a virtual machine on a Mac uh, with the Windows environment and have Rabbit run in there. Now the M1 support is still not great, but you know, it can be done. Um, you can install, right? I've seen people just wipe their Macs from the Mac OS and install full versions of Windows and just use the hard the Mac hardware because they like the design, but use the Windows operating system because you know that's what supports their tools. Um, so that's another option. Again, with M1 chips, it becomes a little bit of an issue um, because you know the Windows operating system is not fully supported for M1. Um, and I mean, the other option would be is, look, if you know, if you have hardcore Revit users, then maybe um, you implement PCs for those people, right? So you buy a couple of machines, high powered uh, PC machines for your, um, you know, if you're an office of let's say six people and you have three real hardcore Revit users, drafters uh, or, um, you know, architects who are doing mostly Revit, then you just dedicate three PCs for those and they use PCs and you and your team, um, you know, since you're less in there, um, continue using a Mac. That's an option too. We see mixed offices all the time. Mm. Right. Very good. So uh, let's see if we could get any more questions. And by the way, uh, Jackie says, thank you. And so thank you, Boris. Appreciate you expanding on this. Um, Douglas says, hi. Hey, Douglas, you got any questions? Let us know. We got another, uh, I think we've scheduled it for a little too long. Uh, we were, made a mistake there so we have about another nine minutes or so if we get any more questions if not boris you want to talk about any re interesting tickets recently that we've we've had to uh tackle on you know both pc or mac side oh man it's putting me on the spot right now um why not why not <laughs> uh, what was the interesting one hang on let me take a look real quick but I'm okay. hoping I'm hoping that people have questions because the reason why we made it this long uh, the last time is because we ran out of time, right? And this time we wanted to make it just a little bit longer so people have enough time to ask questions. So please, please, yeah. please. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, even if um, even if we take our last episode um, and just expand on that a little bit, the printing issue. Um, I don't know if. You keep seeing that um, the network printing issue. You keep seeing that popping up, or is it something that's mostly been addressed and, and put to bed? Um, I think we've, you know, people have implemented the workarounds um, because it has been the issue has been in existence for at least, you know, ten months now. So people have mm -hmm. implemented the workarounds, and we have helped people implement workarounds and also implement the best practices to. Uh, work around that issue. So I think that issue is not coming up as much. Um, but who, as with anything, right? Any um, kind of bad update. And I think, so we can tie this back to the Mac. So one of the advantages and one of the things I really like about the Mac um, is the fact that they're kind of standardized, right? It's, it's a standardized set of platform. It's, it's, it's the operating system with standardized set of um, hardware. And it's only tested, right? You only need to test this one operating system versus, you know, like three or four flavors of hardware um, that you have. And because of that, a lot of the issues that you 
my experience with Windows and Microsoft trying to kind of be universal for different sets of hardware from, you know, from Acer to Lenovo to HP to Dell and so on and so on. Um, those issues kind of get eliminated um, on a Mac. So that's a big advantage. And when Windows puts out um, their updates, sometimes we'll run into issues as we talked about the printing issue. Um, there's also been a couple of other ones recently um, where it can break things. And, you know, as part of our service, we kind of monitor that and vet for that. And that allows us to prevent deploying those bad updates to all of our clients, right? Because we do testing internally first. Um, but with Mac, it's much more simpler um, where unless you're, you know, doing a major upgrade of the operating system, kind of just installing those regular updates to improve security, improve the patch levels on your system uh, is actually a pretty straightforward process. Still needs to be managed to make sure that everything gets installed and everything gets forced uh, onto the machine, right? So that it's, you know, so people don't just let it sit there. Um, but yeah, it's a much easier process to manage on a Mac than it is um, on the PC side of things. Gotcha. Thanks for that uh, color. Now, Henry has a question. Uh, it's pretty technical. Cool. Is there uh, still a budget-friendly option for GPU pass-through in a VDI solution? This is more specific to help with Enscape forward slash V-Ray rendering issues I have faced before. So uh, are we talking about the on-premise VDI or are we talking about cloud VDI? Because those are um, similar but a little different. And as we're talking, I guess it'd be nice to understand the scale because with VDI, the bigger the scale is that, you know, we found in the past we're doing some analysis that, you know, your break-even is about 80 to 100 people uh, if you're running an architecture firm. So 80 to 100 kind of architects on a VDI solution is when you start to see benefits over physical machines. Um, lower than that, financially, it wouldn't make sense. It makes sense in a lot of other aspects, right? Easier management, um, better remote access, things like that. But from a financial standpoint, you're still gonna be spending more on the VDI infrastructure um, up until you get to about that 100 user mark. Um, but once, once you get there, um, you know, the solutions that we've, used and tested uh, specifically from NVIDIA. Um, yeah, it adds a little bit to the budget, but again, compared to the overall system cost, uh, it's fairly low. I think it's like seven to 10% of the overall VDI solution cost um, for on-premise VDI. So, you know, solutions from NVIDIA, um, their GPU, their Tesla, I guess their Tesla cards actually you know, do a very good job. And Let, let's, I, think, uh, I, I want to caution you to get too technical. I, yeah. I know, I know you, <laughs> you and Henry can nerd out on this stuff. I appreciate you guys. And Henry, I'd love for you to join our podcast episode. And let's just get, let's get down with some of these issues and have a good conversation debate. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut this off, but I just, uh, I just want to make sure that we, Boris, you stay a little bit to uh, stay the course, user friendlier. <laughs> yeah, user friendlier. Because right. I know you guys can get deep. Yeah, so Henry, okay. let's, uh, I'll follow up with you through LinkedIn or through other means just to kind of follow up on this question, okay? Yeah, I don't want to uh, get too tactical. D don't, don't hate me, Henry. I'm sorry. Um, but 
Peter had, but like I said, let's go on the podcast. Let's, let's do this together. Let's actually nerd out. Um, Peter uh, had a question, perhaps, and this is actually a very interesting question because I, 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 I'm really curious what you're going to say, Boris. But um, so his question is this, perhaps not exactly part of the Mac PC debate technically, but um, if you're working with architecture, are you working with architecture offices that using tablets, iPads, et cetera, heavily question mark? We are starting to explore the functionality of Procreate for rendering and sketching. Great app, and the pencil makes it really viable digital drawing tool. Thoughts? Um, so, I mean, I I have not actually used the Procreate app, um, so I would be interested in learning more about it. In fact, after the call, I'll go and do the research. Um, but I mean, we do have people use the iPads in the field um, because it does make things easier in terms of just kind of easy sketching quickly. And then we, you know, there are also tools which help you measure, um, right, real time. Um, and as well as kind of if you go more advanced, um, you can do a lot of as-built stuff if you need to um, using some of the lighter um, sensors for the iPhone and the iPad as well. And then importing those into uh, um, uh, <laughs> importing those into some tools that can do um, and then import it into Revit. Sorry, I, I, I lost my train of thought here. I think it's uh, point cloud, right? So you basically generating point cloud models and then you can use the um, Autodesk recap uh, to actually get those imported into Revit. Um, so yeah, so we're seeing definitely a lot of iPad and mobile devices used for that type of stuff. Um, also during construction administration, um, using other tools like PlanGrid or similar uh, to where you can go in and take pictures and pinpoint issues and um, kind of write on your mobile device. Um, get stuff uploaded and uh, make your work a lot more efficient than you know just having taken paper notes and things like that um so yeah um on that from that standpoint we do um i obviously as you mentioned right we kind of these tools are more useful for um this type of lighter uh either sketching or um documenting but not necessarily um kind of creating full scale models are fully replacing what architects do uh, on day-to-day -day basis. Um, but definitely there's a movement towards using more mobile technology, especially in the field. Perfect. Um, let's, so it's we're around 45 minute mark, let's wrap this up. I wanted to thank everyone kindly for your questions and your participation and your time investment in our show. Hopefully you got something back out of it. Um, you know what, if you wanna, just throw some questions at us, whether through LinkedIn or Boris, email Boris. Boris, what's your email? Is it Boris at getarchit.com? Uh, let's just call it info at getarchit.com. Oh, so impersonal. We should make it a hello. Uh, <laughs> or but, a okay, hello. Fine. I think we have a hello. For now, it's, I just, this was hello. the first one that came to mind. Okay. So there's a hello at getarchit.com. For your questions, like we'd love those deeply technical questions like Henry brought up because we can make podcast episodes out of them. It really helps other people out. And, and you know, you get a free answer. I mean, you know, what what can be better? Um, so yeah, you know, throw us some, some of your thoughts, concerns, questions, feedback. You know, Boris and I are looking at this stuff, you know, and we're um, 
you know, we're looking to make better content that fits, uh, that answers your question. So thank you all for participating kindly. Um, any parting words of wisdom, Mr. IT God? Uh, this is just, <laughs> let's go win the day, right? Let's go win the day, brother. All right. Thank you all very much. Smile. Have a great uh, rest of the week. And we'll see you probably in a couple of weeks for another one. Be well. Thank you.